Hey everyone, welcome to Reformed Podmatics, hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. It's Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey, and this podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And today, with episode 72, hard to believe that we've even made it this far. Uh, I wasn't ever sure how far this would actually get, but here we are. and Almost weekly, too. Yeah, we've, almost yeah. weekly. We're, <laughs> we're more or less on time each week. Uh, but yeah, we thank you guys for sticking with us and for even caring enough to listen to all of these episodes. And yep. we know that not all of these episodes are for everyone. Um, <laughs> not, not every episode is something that may stand out and be particularly of interest to you. Uh, I know that when I listen to podcasts, I there are a few that I listen to every episode, regardless of what it's on, uh, but there are many others that I will sort of pop around and listen to different episodes, uh, uh, just depending on what the title is and if it's an, if it sounds interesting to me mm-hmm. personally. Um, and so today, maybe this episode didn't sound interesting, but our our goal is to just really tell our own stories on how we came into the Reformed faith. Um, not just being born into it, as you'll, you'll hear from Mark's story, yep. uh, but how we came to convictionally hold these positions for ourselves. Um, I think it is a fair thing to say that m- both Mark and I are not the most brainiac kind of guys ever. Now, you may hear that, and if you know us personally, or even if you've listened to these episodes, you may sort of scoff and say, oh yeah, you are. Pastors. (laughs) The whole thing that you do with this podcast and the fact that you get up and you you give messages and lessons each week, um, that that means that you're a brainiac kind of person. Well, I know real brainiacs, and I know (laughs) enough of them to know that I am not really one of them. Uh, yes, there are some things I know about the Bible, but there's a lot that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, I think, pretty just normal guys <laughs> who mm-hmm. uh, we we live a pretty, I think, normal life, both of us. Uh, we're into a lot of the same things that, that quote-unquote normal people are into. <laughs> um, we don't just read Hebrew <laughs> manuscripts yeah, you no. know, on our free time. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, so how is it that we came to be so passionate about the Reformed tradition? Yeah. Uh, one of the things we say at the beginning, which you've already heard now if you've started this episode, is our tagline, uh, which is, I kind of wrote it on the spot one day uh, <laughs> before we started this whole thing, but uh, it says that we exist to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. And so part of this episode is to explain how we came to love Reformed theology. Um, And hopefully what we'll do is show other quote-unquote normal people who may be listening how they can come to love it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a really important um, little disclaimer or caveat that that we start with here that um, this this is not just 
theology guys talking theology, trying to puff ourselves up. Hopefully it is not that. Um, we should examine our hearts and make sure it isn't. Um, we are regular guys, and um, hopefully you could trust that. We don't, we don't speak to these issues as the absolute highest intellectual authority. And the reason that we bring that up in this context is to say everything that we talk about we hope is accessible to regular people. Um, and that's not just sermons and lessons on Sunday, but it's this podcast as well. Um, hmm. Theology, doctrine, um, s- study even, using that word might not appeal to that many people, <laughs> is actually something that Christians are called to, to do. Hmm. Um, I think of the New Testament instruction that Paul gives where he says, don't just, don't just, Drink spiritual milk, move on to solid food, move mm. up in your understanding of who God is. Um, Paul actually is is kind of frustrated with the Corinthians at one point saying, you should have moved beyond this by now. We're talking about very basic fundamental things, like the gospel itself, mm. but he says to those Corinthians, and in 2 Corinthians he's actually quite frustrated with them, um, you know, how many, how many times do we need to talk about the basics because we need to be moving on to some deeper things? Um, I don't think he says that in a condescending way, but I think he says it in the way that a father would say it to a teenager. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we, we've talked about cleaning your room. We've talked about uh, taking care of yourself and, and showering regularly and doing those basic things. But now we're going to get a little bit more advanced and move into adulthood. And we want to do that in the spiritual or intellectual sense through this podcast as well, that yeah, um, just definitely. as every person must grow up, every Christian should be growing up also in understanding and knowledge. And, and we're not saying that we're uh, going to be patriarchal or condescending in this conversation, <laughs> but but hopefully um, we've gained some understanding about Scripture and Reformed theology that could help um, listeners grow up, and, and we are seeking that also from people who are more advanced than us, um, mm-hmm. as we'll get to a little bit later with some recommendations. Yeah, the the very fact that that Paul and Peter, I think, has that same uh, encouragement uh, to move on from the milk and to yeah. seek meat. Um, the whole the fact that they say that just proves that there is a sort of expectation. There should be a sort of expectation. Uh, not that we're all going to be being sanctified and growing in our faith at the same rate, but over time we should be progressing forward. Um, and so to the end that we want to encourage everyone to grow in their theological discipleship, um, it's maybe good for us to start with the question, how did we ourselves both get excited about Mm -hmm. theology in general and reformed theology and pick in particular, what was it that captivated us early on or that drew us to it? And maybe more importantly, what has, uh, been, fundamental for our sticking with it, for our remaining reformed. Um, it's pretty common for people to jump around from denomination to denomination or tradition to tradition. I know lots of people who have gone on a sort of spiritual pilgrimage of sorts through the different denominations. <laughs> so what what caught our attention about reformed theology and what re- continues to, to keep us reformed? Yeah, well, um, I, I guess I could start a little bit and, and say that Part of my hope with this episode is that people would listen to it and not be the 
theological sampler, you know, who just mm. goes around and and we're going to be upfront with the motive um, of the podcast. Uh, a little bit of the motive of our work as pastors is to convince people that reform doctrine is beautiful, is true, is worth holding on to, and finding a reformed church is a good thing to do. Um, and so that that sounds a little bit. Um, uh, I don't know, divisive maybe in our culture today. And I don't mean it to be divisive but uh, or proud, um, but I do yeah. mean it uh, mean to say that, that we think there is this glorious, beautiful doctrine within a Reformed mm-hmm. church that is valuable for all people to know. And, and part of the reason I start my little story with that is that is not necessarily how I was raised thinking about um, doctrine and being Christian Reformed. Um, I would say my father, I could tell, always valued mm-hmm. clear teaching, biblical doctrine, um, sort of in how our family was led. It really was very obvious that the truth mattered, um, even when mm-hmm. it was kind of an inconvenient truth. Um, I remember one time where um, we were talking about the doctrine of predestination, and my dad opened the Bible to Ephesians 2, and he said, well, well, there it is, in Ephesians 1 and 2, um, and how impressed I was as a kid, thinking, wow, you could just open the Bible and answer a question. That would be great. That wasn't really the the ethos of the church that I was going to, which was a Christian Reformed church, but was more evangelical and low church and hmm. seeker-sensitive. Um, even as a fifth, sixth, seventh grader, I could tell, this is, is pretty shallow, and hmm. I'm understanding... I wasn't like above the pastor or whatever or the other people there, but I just knew that there's more, I know there's more to Christianity than this, and I would love to be challenged maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit more. I remember saying that, I think, in sixth grade. Um, Maybe I said it out of pride uh, in sixth (laughs) grade, but but I I at least got the sense that there's more to Christianity than, Mm -hmm. than pump me up, you know, the spiritual shot of espresso on Sunday, which isn't all we got. We got the gospel. Um, but it was a fairly light message, I would say, yeah. often. So um, from there, you know, moving into adulthood, I still went to Reformed churches, but it was more out of tradition, to be quite honest. Um, went to a Christian Reformed church while I was at college um, in Canada. Went to a Reformed church in America, congregation out of college. Went to Calvin Seminary and chose to be a pastor in the CRC, almost out of, well, I'm Christian Reformed. That's just what I should be. Hmm. And it even wasn't until after seminary that I would say I got excited about theology, which is very strange because I was reading in the institutes and church history and, and all of this during seminary, but it didn't really grab my heart until uh, really I heard the preaching of Martin Lloyd-Jones um, because I had been operating under a, a fundamental assumption that a pastor is either intellectual and doctrinal or exciting and interesting. Hmm. And so... Uh, I thought (laughs) sort of dichotomy right I I had sort of thought I want to be an interesting pastor and I want to draw people to Christ with the word of God yep with that Um, and that that was the kind of pastor that I I really wanted to be starting my ministry but then I heard Martin Lloyd-Jones just um, very frankly putting forth doctrines um, and very interestingly saying um basic sentences that were actually very powerful and meaningful and, and scriptural, 
Um, something as simple as um, he preached a sermon on Abraham, and he said, the people of God believe the word of God. And it was like, hmm. wow, that is very simple, but there's a lot of people who go, who go to church who might not even agree with that, actually. Um, I would say, uh, yeah. especially thinking about like sexual ethics like we talked about last week, like hmm. the people of God believe his whole word, and that was, of course, the story of Abraham. He believed God's word. It was credited to him as righteousness. And, and I just love the the eloquence, sort of the punchiness and the doctrinal nature yeah. of his preaching. And that really sent me into Piper and uh, MacArthur for a while, to be quite honest. I, I listened to a lot of MacArthur sermons. but It's okay, Mark. You can admit it. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> closet MacArthurite, maybe. No. <laughs> Uh, but he really opened my eyes to the practicality and the zeal of reform, the reformed life. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones did, yeah. yeah. So anyways, hmm. taking too long, but... Uh, no, no, I, I, I think that's fascinating how it was... So you were you were in the reformed church yeah. for... My whole life. I whole mean, life. I, was th- I was 29 when I became You're a pastor. You were even past yeah. seminary before... Yeah. I don't know if I if you could say you became convictionally reformed, yeah. but but it was something so. that you had sort of inherited and it, and it had taken on as your own because that's what you were raised in. But even even through the, the process of going to Christian schools growing up, mm-hmm. although it wasn't always a CRC school, right? Yeah, it was for high school though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was K through eight. You were at a Lutheran, Lutheran school. Yeah. Um, but you were raised really in the bosom of the CRC. Yeah. And yeah, that, that is interesting that it was Lloyd-Jones, a, <laughs> a Calvinist Methodist from England right, right. Um, who would have had it probably preached the sermons that you were listening to 50 years before you listened to them. Yeah, he died the year before I was born. Yeah, yeah. so that is a, that is a fascinating story. Um, for me, it's a little bit different. We've, I've talked a little bit about my story on this episode or this podcast um, in past episodes, uh, so many of you will know that I didn't come from the Reformed Church, so I, I really won't go too into that. But I did grow up in the church um, and just sort of had what I've heard people consider a vanilla evangelical <laughs> upbringing, um, which isn't all bad. And I would say, actually, most of the experiences that I had were very positive in the church, even though... There were, there were issues. I think my theological discipleship was really lacking. Hmm. Um, but the people I knew, um, I'm still close with many of them. A lot of the older people that I looked up to as a teenager, um, I still really admire as strong Christians. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of the sort of toxic exper- experiences that many people have had um, in the broader evangelical world. But I, I do think that I lacked a lot of... Um, Theological discipleship, as I'll just be calling solidity, it. maybe. Uh, yeah, it I lacked a solid, solid foundation. Yeah. I felt like there, it was just whatever the ne- whatever the recent trend was, whatever mm. the big book was in the evangelical world. That's the book I would hear about, um, and there wasn't a whole lot of depth to it. There wasn't, yeah, solidity, um, and so I wanted something that was profound. And what I was encountering when I got into late high school, early college was that the Christianity that I'd inherited um, didn't really face up to the complexities of the world as I was beginning to see it. 
Uh, I think this is an experience that lots of college students have. Hmm. And so I began to hmm. think that, well, maybe the problem is just with Christianity. Uh, maybe it doesn't really have the resources to to help me interact with the world, and maybe it's just better either to give Christianity a serious facelift, and that would have led me down the more progressive Christianity path. I was, at the time, reading Rob Bell and really curious about what he was doing. I can remember going to one of his speaking um, tours and uh, getting a book signed and taking a picture with him which is still on my Facebook page, by the way. <laughs> and the NUMA videos that he <laughs> Yeah, I was a yep. big NUMA video fan throughout high school. Every yeah. youth group in America, basically, yeah. was watching those. Mine some included. were good. Yeah, yeah some, some weren't horrible as far as I remember. <laughs> but what really started for me to get me, I think, growing in my faith, for me it's always been books. Books are a big part of my journey. Hmm. Um, and so one of the first books I was, I was given, one of the first Christian books I was given, uh, a couple of them were Rob Bell books, the Velvet Elvis being one of them. A few others were um, Donald um, Miller, Donald oh, Miller yeah. books. Blue Like Jazz. Blue Like Jazz yeah. and a few others. Um, but my sister, my oldest sister, uh, gave me a book called The Irresistible Revolution, uh, Living as an Ordinary Radical by a guy named Shane Claiborne. If anybody knows Shane Claiborne, you know he was he's kind of like a homeless ministry kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He lives in inner city Philadelphia. He's very much, he actually is a red letter Christian. Like he's a part of that, mm-hmm. that group with Tony Campolo and others. Um, just sort of a, a strange guy. He's <laughs> He's gone all over the world. He actually worked with Mother Teresa for a while in India before she died. Um, he does a lot of political activism now, mm-hmm. um, but his book was, for me, just sort of a wake-up call to live my life on purpose. Um, so I took what he was saying really to heart and wanted to live passionately for Jesus. Uh, I didn't really know what that meant or what that looked like. I just thought, if I want to live for God, I should basically live as a homeless person. I should work with homeless people. I should really be out on the streets, just just talking with people, loving people. Um, not necessarily being a, being very evangelistic with them, but just living my life in a radical way, just like Jesus did. And I, I was captured as an 18 or 19-year-old with the passion of the book. Mm. Um, it didn't really ground me in any theological way, but it made me really just know that I want to live my life on purpose for Christ. Mm. Um, and so in that way, I, I look back on that book as being really influential in my thinking in a really positive way. I think God really used that book. One of the big questions for me at this point in my life was, what is the meaning of life? And what am I passionate about? What am I going to give myself to? What is my life project going to be? Um, so I, re- I really resonated with people who would talk about wh- what your passions are. What is your mission going to be? Um, and so... I remember also then reading a few books back to back, Crazy Love by Francis Chan and um, and Radical by David Platt, uh, which both of these books are like a mm-hmm. power punch to the gut. <laughs> um, I don't recommend reading them back to back. You will feel like you are failing as yeah. a Christian. <laughs> um, do, do, do. I can remember do, being do. in junior college and reading these books um, and really being struck with how passionate they both were. Yeah. Um, and both of them theologically aren't horrible. They, they will make you feel like you're not doing enough. Um, I think, but, um, for me, this continued on my passion. I, I, w- I was passionate about God and 
eventually, as I've said before, I found Doctrine by Mark Driscoll, and that was really huge for me. Uh, but one of the biggest books in my early 20s was Desiring God by John Piper. That book gave me, it connected my passions with mm-hmm. God's glory mm-hmm. um, and made me see that all of my life is meant to be lived for the glory of God and how joyful that was, how exciting that was. Mm-hmm. And to this day, that book is still a very important book on how I see everything that I do, on how I how I teach in my ministry. Uh, seeing God as my greatest joy and my greatest good is a foundational uh, part of of my life, uh, thanks to John Piper. And so that really led me towards wanting to, okay, I've had all this passion, all Mm. this excitement. I I see God as the greatest good, but do I really know God? Mm. And that's when I began to question myself and I really began to wonder and become curious, like, okay, I need to really know the scriptures. I really need to begin to study, even though really in my junior college days when I was 19, 20, 21, I hated the idea of theology. Maybe mm. maybe some of you can re- can resonate with that a little bit. Mm. I hated being told that there are certain things that I should know. I thought theology was whatever I wanted to believe about God. But I came to see that uh, theology, even reading systematic theology, was a really exciting thing. Just because I had learned that I needed to be more curious about God. Um, curiosity was something that began to drive me mm. a lot. And so, yeah, yeah those books were a really big part of, of my development and sort of turning my my mind on to learning more about who God is and what he has done for me. Well, that, that's a really good distinction to, to say, the, what is theology heard as? Um, yeah. Both of us try to communicate that it's a curiosity and a passion for knowing God. Yeah. But I think that a lot of people would hear the word theology or doctrine and they would interpret that as I'm going to tell you something that I know and you don't and that you need to learn more about and um, in order to be a, a good Christian you need to read these four books. You know what I like I think that's yeah. how theology is often interpreted. It's a cold academic exercise. Right, whereas what what we want to encourage in this whole episode and even the whole purpose of the podcast in general is a uh, an intellectual engagement of God not just through the word but through reform doctrine and through even what is happening in the world now as we sort of apply scripture to various practical matters. So um, it, it's that curiosity. I like that that word that you used because it's it's different than the set of facts that is to be mm-hmm. transferred. You know, like the Matrix, plug you into this, and now <laughs> yeah. you know kung fu, right? Yeah. Um, that that's, that's what not, I thought it was. Yeah, and I think that that is how people often think, and they they would say, "I'm not really interested in that kind of thing." Yeah, I want to but to do with it. I think most people would at least rec- any any person who the spirit is at work in will say. I want to know more about God. Yeah, people are curious. Yeah, uh, I see that a lot in youth ministry. There's always lots of great questions. Yeah, um, or questions about implications of things that I've said. Mm. Um, and so, if maybe somebody's not into theology as a, you know, as something that they do in their free time, I read theological <laughs> books. Uh, but people are genuinely curious, even people who are skeptical about the Christian faith. And yeah. so for me, that's when I started to realize that theology books, boring theology books, were actually answering these 
profound and deep questions that I had all along, then it became really exciting Mm -hmm. that I could let my curiosity about God uh, actually be productive in in growing closer to him by knowing more about him. Yeah, and so it's interesting how, I mean, our histories are different in a lot of ways, but also very similar. Um, Hmm. And I can't help but think that... uh, the, the common thread is that both of us were raised in a, I would say, a broadly evangelical, very s- strong Christian homes, good yeah. Christian parents, um, going to church regularly, and mm-hmm. um, and yet also having a hunger for more. And um, I don't know, I'd, I'd be curious to hear what any listeners would think of this, but I have a theory that um, our experience is going to be the experience of many people coming out of maybe lighter megachurch uh, contexts in the years ahead where hmm. there becomes a very clear dividing line between a, a Christian church-going person and a worldly person. And so people are people have always needed big answers to big questions. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just think of the, the people who have joined Almond Valley recently um, would be two families who come from a larger church setting hmm where they were just seeing that we need something more solid. We, we need, particularly our children, both families have said, to, um, to hold on to some, some truth that's taught with, with some weight to it, you know, yeah. and that, that is historic and Catholic in nature. I don't know if they'd use all those terms, but they were hungry for something right. meatier. Um, yeah. And even now a, a guy had just come forward recently and said, I want to join this church. Same situation coming from a, hmm. a larger church. Uh, not all large churches are like this, but um, really uh, just the experience that I had listening to Martin Lloyd-Jones was like, whoa, this is, um, this is really helpful to get grounded in, yeah. in, a, in a passionate, reformed presentation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think people are often surprised by that. Um, maybe some people who listen to the podcast hopefully are are fed in, in that kind of way and might even be surprised that you're listening to a, re- a reformed podcast. Uh, I would guess that's the case for some. But um, yeah. transitioning now into uh, how how do we suggest people maybe start on this road if they want to read a little bit more or listen to some uh, podcasts or resources or sermons? Um, what would be a good way to take some first steps on this road to greater theological robustness? What do you think? That's a huge question. <laughs> I, I have, it depends I, on the person. I've written down yeah. some resources that I would recommend in general to most people. Um, but I think just to answer that question on a broader level, before I even get into resources, I would say, Ask yourselves what your question, what your yeah. questions are. Yeah. Uh, what are my deep questions about God? I think you can let those those curiosities drive you a little bit, um, and also recognize that anybody who anybody who claims to have any knowledge of Jesus, a believer, or even in some sense an unbeliever, mm-hmm. is a theologian. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we are, as I think, there's a quote from C.S. Lewis. I don't know the exact quote. I don't have it written down. But he says something along the lines of, uh, if we don't study theology, it's not that we'll have um, no ideas about God. It's that we'll have muddled bad ideas about God. Um, 
and so the idea is of studying God is to mm. know God in his truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that sense, in that statement, he's saying not everybody is, uh, not all of us are theologically minded, but we are, we are all theologians in our own way. Um, especially, this is especially true for Christians. This is why I love the book title by R.C. Sproul, which is a great book that I would recommend. It's called Everyone's a Theologian. Because not everybody will sit, walk around saying, oh, I'm, I'm a theologian. I, <laughs> yeah. I think theologically about everything. Today most I have Christians become I know a theologian. Won't, yeah. Yeah, most <laughs> yeah. Christians won't say that. Uh, they'll say, oh, maybe, you know, Pastor Mark, you're a theologian. Uh, or Pastor Zach, you're a theologian. Every Christian is a theologian yeah. uh, in the most important sense. We're all accountable to know things about God. We are told to love God with our minds as much as with our strength and our souls and our hearts. And, and, and what, we've, what we've hopefully exemplified is that different things sparked us, sparked yeah. our interest in that. And it's so interesting that for you, it was reading, and for mm-hmm. me, it was listening. Hmm. And so I, I think that's part of the reason I didn't really, it didn't really hit me during seminary, because during seminary, I was reading, 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 yeah. and um, reading as a, for an assignment and being kind of a, stubborn rebellious person in my nature (laughs) just telling me to read augustine's on doctrine or athanasius i i just am not really going to want to do that you know but if (laughs) i had the same experience in seminary it's not always as fun when you're being told what yeah but if if i just pick up like if somebody says to me oh man i was reading the dogmatics reform dogmatics this great thing Huh. Oh, okay. Well, I better open up the dogmatics and holy cow, look at all this amazing stuff yeah. in here, right? Yeah. And then, you know, they often say when you feel like you discover something, you learn it so much better than when you're told something. Yes. Um, whether that's absolutely. a restaurant or new music or a movie, when you feel like you discovered it, then you'll never forget it or you'll still sort of live with the passion for that thing. Yeah. And so that, for me, that was listening to hmm. Lloyd Jones sermons. And for you, that was was more reading, and and maybe that describes uh, the people listening to the podcast. Maybe that's through conversation, and you just maybe need to surround yourself with more theologically minded people in conversation, mm-hmm. or go to a Bible study, mm-hmm. um, and then wow, all of a sudden it clicks. This is really important, and I love learning about God. Maybe for others, it's just curling up with with some books mm-hmm. um, or with a podcast while you're doing the dishes at night. Um, yeah. It could be different, um, but even going beyond that, I would say for some people, they're going to be more drawn towards apologetics. That's sort of defending the faith, Mm -hmm. discovering more kind of Christian philosophy, Um, and there's a lot of podcasts for that, or there's C.S. Lewis for that, things like Mm -hmm. uh, resources in that vein. For others, it would be um, more personal, so there's something that's happened in their life, and they want to ask a question of, yeah. why God, uh, how God could use this and maybe how he's done that in other people's lives. And so testimonies would be mm-hmm. great for those people to hear. There's, there, You could find those on YouTube. And I love um, just looking up YouTube professor testimony or something. Type that in and hmm. uh, Christian professor follows Jesus and you'll find all kinds of great stuff. And that's actually theology. You're, you're learning about how you're learning pneumatology, how the spirit works. You're learning ecclesiology, how people are grafted into the church. Um, yeah. Maybe not always in the official proper book sense, but um, that's that's part of how learning starts is just to expose yourself to those stories. Yeah. 
Um, I, I think about this a lot with, with young people. Um, how do I yeah. communicate this passion for knowing God yeah. uh, to young people? And so as I've said, stoke up those curiosities. That's one way of going about it. I can remember a friend of mine once asking me, what what she could do to grow in her faith and her understanding of God and of theology. And so I started asking her what, what were some passions of hers. And mm. one thing was animals. She really loved mm. animals. And so I said, well, there actually, there's actually a lot of literature about the ethics mm. of animal treatment from a Christian theological standpoint. You you could maybe start with reading books on, on that sort of stuff. Um, that would be a fascinating point of contact for you into reading more serious theology. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one way of doing it. If somebody has a particular question, um, how can Jesus be both man and God? That doesn't make sense. So, so yeah. okay, start answering that question by reading certain books on that. Another way of doing it, which I think is equally important, is just picking some books. There's plenty of them. Mm that are going to give you a sort of uh, foundation, yeah. a theological foundation by hitting on all the main points. And so I've already mentioned Everyone's a Theologian by R.C. Sproul, but that really is a good book uh, for a starting point for any Christian. Basically, if you are in middle school or above, you could understand most of what that book is saying for you. Mm. Um, highly recommend that book. It's basically a systematic theology, which sounds like the most boring thing in the world. Uh, but R.C. Sproul is a really great communicator and makes that makes all of it really interesting. And he always is answering the question of, so what? What does yeah. this mean for my life? How is this important for for me? Um, so that's a really great book to, to start with if you want to get the sort of foundational pieces of Christian theology. Yeah, and along those same lines, um, an, an author I really appreciate um, who's going to move people a little bit more in a theological direction is A.W. Tozer. And <laughs> so um, I believe he was Christian Missionary Alliance, so yes. not necessarily a Reformed voice. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. But um, his holiness of God, um, I got that on CDs. I think I was given that as a gift one one year. Maybe I think Pam got that for me for Christmas. It was just CD, um, yeah. a book on CD, and whenever I was in the car, I would listen to Tozer's Holiness of God, uh, especially if I was going anywhere 20 minutes or further away, and got through it pretty quickly. Never felt like I was kind of, uh, you know, having to dig 100 feet for one gold nugget, you know, in order to find <laughs> uh, that, that truth, because Tozer... Lewis, C.S. Lewis, um, Sproul, um, I would say Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, Wonderful Works of God by Herman Bovink. Tho- hmm. Those are those have those gold nuggets on every page, and so I would always say start <laughs> start with those. Uh, um, you know, those hmm. authors, uh, especially I think of Bonhoeffer's Life Together. So yeah. it's not when you read Life Together, which is about Christian community, you're not going to read it thinking. I am learning theology, <laughs> but it's there on every page. And and I had somebody in my last church who was really hungry for Christian community. And so I said, read huh. Bonhoeffer's Life Together. And this is somebody with, I don't believe she had a college education. Um, th- she huh. was about my parents' age. Um, and she just ate it up, just loved it. And, yeah. and the whole, the book was marked up. And, <laughs> and I never told her that she needed to be more of a theologian, but she was hungry for that topic. And there it was. 
um, you know, in about a hundred pages in Life Together. So find those books that are mm. that are not going to need maybe quite as much heavy lifting. You might say uh, Spurgeon would be another guy who writes books like that where every other page there's going to be some really yeah. ripping illustration that helps you understand a scriptural truth a book by him the greatest fight in the world or the power of prayer um both of those are going to be really helpful in hmm. taking some first steps i would say yeah maybe people listening to this are listening to this because they're not book people though mark yeah. so what, what what yeah. what uh resources would we suggest for those who maybe like you are yeah more into hearing things audible learners yeah yeah um so the veritas forum has a youtube channel and Mm. the veritas forum sometimes will have debates but often it's a lecture and they're they're given at college (laughs) campuses and often it will be a testimony or the coming to faith story um, of an intellectual so that could scare some people away, but it's always been very accessible. Like um, um, one of my favorite ones was of a um, mathematics professor at Yale. I, I forget his name hmm. right now, um, but it was just his story of growing up in a, a Korean family where he was expected to go to church and how eventually um, things really blossomed. You know, his faith blossomed. He he came to Christ and now he was He's at Yale as a professor, and, and it's, it creates all kinds of interesting interactions for him. So the Veritas Forum has a YouTube channel with with a lot of these talks. Oz Guinness, um, John Lennox mm-hmm. is on there. Um, I think Rebecca McLaughlin has done stuff oh, with, probably. with them. Yeah, I know there's various MIT professors who have, yeah. have done material for them. Tim Keller has been on Veritas Forum a couple mm-hmm. times, I know, um, being interviewed and so Veritas spelled V-E-R-I-T-A-S. If you'd like to hear testimonies and be encouraged by that, by very smart people, um, you will not only be learning, but all the while you're gaining a good argument for one of the most common objections to Christianity, which is that really smart people aren't Christians. Hmm. Christian Christianity is for foolish people who need to make sense of life because their lives are a mess otherwise. Yeah. Uh, the Veritas Forum destroys that really bad argument against Christianity. Yeah. I, I'd forgotten about the Veritas forum. I wonder if they have a podcast that would be, yeah, I think they do. Interesting yeah. to listen to as well. Yeah. Um, something I would recommend, I think we both would, would be mortification of spin, which yep. is a really good podcast with two hosts like this podcast. Uh, so, and I prefer podcasts with more than one person. Uh, <laughs> there are a few that I listen to that are sort of monologue podcasts, but they are, a little bit different to listen to. They're not as smooth normally. Um, I think the conversational tone of podcasts is, is a good thing. So Mortification of Spin is a really good podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that I would put next to that is Mere Fidelity, which is mm-hmm. four friends. Usually it's anywhere from two to four, but technically the, there are four hosts um, from different contexts, different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciate uh, their their conversations uh, sometimes they can be a little bit over the head of some people perhaps uh, but I think that it's it'd be really accessible for anybody um, beyond high school maybe even high schoolers would appreciate it but yeah. uh, a lot of them are I don't know in their 30s or 40s 
and are deep thinkers. They don't always agree on everything, so that mm-hmm. makes it interesting to hearing their differences of perspective. Um, my wife and I listen to it every week and really enjoy it together. Yeah. And it always leads to further conversation. Mere Fidelity has a, a riveting episode on infant baptism with hmm. Peter Lightheart uh, that they're interviewing. And um, if you want to yeah, understand baptism more fully, that is an awesome conversation. Just one hmm. one paragraph after another is just really full of wisdom. Um, and so uh, maybe one that I would add is uh, First Things. So First Things is a website and uh, a periodical. I think they put a, a print version out, don't they? Maybe they that's do, what they started yeah. with, right? Yeah. And, now, now it's mostly a website. Mostly the, the site. So first things. And a it, podcast. It, that's First things is going to be a little bit more for the politically minded Christian, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, although, uh, to give you an example of something they have, they, they had a Christian um, uh, sociologist, essentially, who studied homelessness. And mm-hmm. so how does a Christian think about home, the homeless epidemic in Seattle, San Francisco, and L.A.? Those are the three cities that he studied. And there's a lot of talk about that issue, but first things is always going to going to approach things theologically. Um, just mm-hmm. recently on my Facebook page, I posted something from first things that was a critique of Van Gogh's art. Hmm. And it was from Peter Lightheart, um, where he was just looking at some of the religious themes in Van Gogh's art. And yeah, that's, that's one of the most liked little paragraphs that I've ever posted <laughs> on Facebook. And... I don't know if people would go to First Things and just start reading articles about Van Gogh's <laughs> art, but people found it extremely interesting, this little blurb, and so I would always think, well, why not go and just read that stuff on your own? Um, yeah. So First Things has a, it is in that podcast, actually, that that, that the hmm. homelessness issue is dealt with. But, oh, okay. But they, they cover all kinds of things. and so, Lots of cultural issues. Yeah, definitely. Maybe even more so than than political, I would, yeah, I would say. Yeah, but they they will. One thing I appreciate about first things is they won't pull punches. Like it's it's not going to be the yeah. ooh I can't talk about this or I can't <laughs> criticize Trump or I can't be too specific about Christian school or, or something like that because yeah. often it will just be the opinion of oh opinion that's well founded by an intellectual or pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and with given theological reasons for it, um, there's something that both you and I suggest there for newlywed couples to read called I think it's Seven Theses on Sex. Yeah, by uh, by Hans, Hans Borsma. Yeah, and um, so uh, gaining a more theological understanding of sex. Um, that's on first things yeah. and all kinds of cultural. Uh, and it's a. Stuff. It's helpful to know that it's a ecumenical Roman Catholic ministry or organization yeah. Yeah. although a lot of the authors are protestant mm-hmm. or even orthodox i think there's even some jews now mm-hmm. um, orthodox jews who write for it and so it's not i guess exclusively christian authors but the vast majority are um, but it comes from a i would say relatively conservative standpoint um, although yeah it's, they're not afraid to call things both ways which i appreciate about the website a lot it's one of my tabbed websites on my browser, yeah. so I read it pretty often um, and really enjoy most of what comes out of there. Yeah, one as well. one quick example of First Things Courage, I would say, is I read a great article about um, how Democrats and Republicans are complicit in the pornography epidemic in 
hmm. in America. And so it was a good theological challenge to the political establishment in America to start dealing with this problem that no one is talking about that is ruining families. It's like, yeah. okay, well, this isn't just the Republican guy saying it's the Democrats' fault or the Democrat yeah, guy saying point. it's the Republicans' fault. This is a theologian saying neither of them are dealing with this problem and yeah. it's a mess, you know, yeah, and, and so serious problem. When, when you find sources like this um, to, mm-hmm. you know, go back to them and um, when, especially when they're naming things or when you see somebody link to it on Facebook, read it. You can read it. Just <laughs> give it a shot. Yeah. You know? So we would both give a strong recommendation. Not that we would endorse everything that yeah. from any of these resources, yeah. but I think these, these are a good place to start. Um, I, I hope that what you're seeing is not just two guys who are prone to already liking theology telling you why you should like theology too, but but two two guys who have come to appreciate theology because of all the richness that can be gleaned from the life of the mind. Not mm-hmm. that this is the only way to grow as a Christian, but it is a component of our growth. And so, yeah, be curious. Mm-hmm. If, do you do you think about this world? Do you think about life in this world and yeah. the, what this is all about and what we're here to do and all these grand questions that humans have always had? Then don't waste your life. Begin to <laughs> to understand it and to think about it uh, and to live, as I said, on purpose. Yeah, just as I said in my sermon on Sunday, worship God with all your mind. Um, mm-hmm. Use your mind to learn about God and His world and. Memorize scripture, uh, read a theology book, um, and uh, it can knowledge can trump up, you know, can mm-hmm. can cause us to inflate our egos, and so we should be careful of that. But at the same time, don't let that be an excuse for not seeking knowledge. Um, yeah. I think that um, it's it's good for Christians to move on from Max Lucado and Chuck Swindoll um, and into um, authors who are going to sp- speak and. I would say a more powerful way yeah, and often a more biblically uh, faithful way. And, and especially we, we, a lot of these resources have pointed people in a reformed direction, uh, thinking particularly of mortification of spin and RC sprawl. So, um, so take, take that courageous step. We are encouraging away from Lucado and Swindoll (laughs) and, and Rick Warren and, uh, and into, maybe some deeper waters, I guess. Hmm. Uh, that would be a wonderful thing. And so um, if you are curious about uh, anything that we've we've listed, you can um, respond in, in totally. on Facebook or in, uh, in uh, the Podbean app um, or hopefully get a hold of us if you go to the Almond Valley CRC website. I think our information is there for getting our email address too. But... Um, one thing that I did notice is very easy for you to do as a listener that could help us out is it's if you're listening in Spotify, I know in particular, or in the Apple Podcasts app, it is really easy to give five stars or a thumbs up hmm. to um, to the podcast. Spotify just made that even easier, I noticed, for liking a, uh, a podcast. And so um, if you've enjoyed the conversation, give the, the thumbs up, and uh, that will help us spread the word. We are getting really good engagement lately, and so we hope to see that continue and even grow um, for God's name's sake. So thank you for listening, and uh, God bless you in the rest of your week. Yep, grace and peace, guys. Bye.